When we begin in Revelation chapter 6, we're beginning a, not a new section in Revelation, but we are beginning uh, a, a section that draws a lot of attention. Uh, Revelation chapter 6 through Revelation chapter 19 uh, is a section of the book that lots of people focus on. Uh, and in Revelation chapter 6, it introduces us to the most awesome and awful time that the world has ever known. In chapter 6, we read for the first time about the four horsemen of the apocalypse. You probably have heard about the four horsemen of the apocalypse. They're not a wrestling team. Now, they used to be called, there used to be one, something like that, but that's not who we're talking about. Many times you've, people have heard about the four horsemen of the apocalypse, but, but fewer people understand what that really means. What we're really talking about is the beginning in Revelation chapter 6, what we are really talking about is the beginning of the Great Tribulation. This Great Tribulation is a terrible and horrible time. I want to fast forward for just a moment in chapter 6, go all the way down to verse 15, and you'll get a glimpse of what this time is going to be like. It says in chapter 6, verse 15, Then the kings of the earth... The princes, the generals, the rich, the mighty, and every slave and every free man hid in caves and among the rocks and the mountains. They called to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of Him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who can stand? Remember in chapter 4 and chapter 5, we talked about the throne and the one who sits on the throne. And we talked about the Lamb who, who would take the, the scroll of judgment from the one sitting on the throne. Beginning in Revelation chapter 6, that scroll of judgment is opened. One seal at a time. And it is a horrific and awful time when... The wrath of the Lamb is poured out on the world. Jesus speaks about this time in Matthew chapter 24. If you want to jot that in the side column of your notes there. Uh, Matthew chapter 24. Look at how Jesus described this time in, in Matthew 24 verse 21. <clears throat> Jesus said in verse 21, For then there will be a great distress, and notice how he describes it, unequaled from the beginning of the world until now, and never to be equaled again. There will be a great distress, he says. And it's unequaled. It's unlike anything the world has ever known. Now think of that for a moment. Think of all the wars. Think of all the atrocities. Think of all the famine and the heartache. That has plagued the world. And not just in recent days, but in all of history. And Jesus said, none of it compares to what it will be like at the Great Tribulation. If it seems strange to you that the wrath of God would be poured out on this earth, then you need to remember what the Tribulation is all about. There is a time coming when God will initiate His judgment upon the world before Jesus returns. 
we'll talk in a minute about why he's sending judgment, but just think about it in these terms. There is a time coming in, on God's calendar, on God's timeline. There is a time coming when God will send judgment on the world before Jesus comes. Now, remember we've talked about this. It's likely, or at least hopeful, we won't be here. And I base that somewhat on things you see in Scripture. You know, as long as Noah was on the earth, God did not send the flood. But when Noah entered the ark, God sent the flood, and He judged the world. As long as Lot and his family were in Sodom and Gomorrah, God did not send fire and brimstone to destroy the cities. But when Lot and his family were safely out of Sodom and Gomorrah, God did not hesitate to send judgment on those cities. So when the church is hopefully raptured, amen? So when and if the church is hopefully raptured and taken into heaven, God will then unleash a seven-year period of judgment against Satan and against the rebelliousness of mankind. So when, when it sounds strange to you that God's going to pour out His wrath on the world, please understand that He has set on His calendar a seven-year period of judgment against primarily Satan and against the rebelliousness of men. You see, I'm convinced, and I don't know if you agree with this or not, I'm convinced we don't fully understand the holiness of God, nor do we understand the sinfulness of man. I just don't, I mean, in theory, we know those things. In theory, and in Scripture, we read those things, and we can kind of explain those things, but I don't think we can understand in depth either the holiness of God, nor the sinfulness of man. God is long-suffering. First Peter tells us that. Not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. God is long-suffering. But eventually, He must judge Satan, and He must judge sin. In Revelation chapter 6, that's where the judgment begins. Chapter 6 through chapters 19 describe that awful and horrible time. And in these chapters, you'll actually find not one judgment, but a series of three judgments. Write this down in the column there of your notes if you would like. A series of three judgments are in Revelation chapter 6 through 19. First of all, in chapter 6 through 8, there is the, the seven seals. The judgments that are revealed through the seven seals. And then in chapters 8 and 9, there's... The judgments that are called the seven trumpets. We'll talk about what all that means later on. And then in chapters 15 through 16, there are the seven bowls. B-O-W-L-E-S. But tonight we're focusing on Revelation chapter 6. The beginning of this judgment. The beginning of this pouring out the wrath of God on the, on the sin of the world. And upon Satan especially. And when this first seal is opened, John sees the first of the infamous four horsemen of the apocalypse. By the way, the word apocalypse simply means any revelation of a violent struggle in which evil is destroyed. Apocalypse is that time where, where evil will be destroyed. So what did John see when God gave him this revelation of how evil will be destroyed? Here's what John saw going back. <clears throat> you were in Matthew 24. Let's go back to Revelation 6. And here's how John begins. 
Remember, John had been called up to heaven to see something, and John says, well, let's go back to chapter 4, verse 1, so you understand what I'm talking about. After this, I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven, and a voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. So John is still having this vision when we get to chapter 6, verse 1, he says, I watched as the Lamb opened the first of the seven seals. Remember last time we talked about how that the Lamb, no one was worthy to open it except the Lamb of God. And he says, I watched as the Lamb opened the first of the seven seals. And then I heard one of the four living creatures say in a voice like thunder, Come! I looked and there before me was a white horse. Its rider held a bow and he was given a crown and he rode... rode out as a conqueror bent on conquest. Now, the question we need to ask as we begin looking at the four horsemen is, who is this person? Who is this first horseman riding on a white horse? What I'd like to do is ask you to just talk to somebody nearby, if you've got anybody nearby, and talk to somebody, who do you think This person is who's riding on this white horse. Talk to one another real quick. I'll give you about 60 seconds. Go. All right, talk to me. And, and everybody's entitled to your opinion, so we're not going to tell you you're right or wrong, but, but just talk to me. Who do you think this, this person riding the, the white horse is? You don't have to explain why, but just who do you think it is? Uh, who? Michael? The Antichrist? Say again. The Spirit of Conquest. Anybody else? Alright, you, you, you've hit most of them, except some would say that this is Jesus riding on the white horse. I heard a uh-uh. <laughs> well, go to Revelation chapter 19. This will give you a hint, I believe, as to who is riding on this white horse. Revelation chapter 19. Look at verse 11. Look at verse 11, 12, and 13. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and makes war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. That's a key phrase. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. So in in Revelation 19, it's pretty clear that the rider on the white horse is Jesus. The question is, is that that who is being referred to in Revelation chapter 6? And I would say to you, no. Yes. Exactly. 
Exactly. And let, let me give you some possibilities here, right? And then, then I'm going to tell you what I think it is. Here's the possibilities that, that over the years people have studied this and said, well, it could be Jesus, but, but I just kind of ruled that one out for you. Some say it's symbolic of conquest. Somebody mentioned that, that this is symbolic language of, of conquest, of what's going to happen at the end. And then some say that this is the Antichrist in, in <clears throat> chapter 6. I believe that probably Revelation chapter 6, the rider of the white horse, is indeed the Antichrist in this, in this setting. <clears throat> Here's the reasons I believe the rider to be the Antichrist. First of all, if this writer is Jesus, it would seem strange that he would be named at the end of the book, chapter 19, rather than at the beginning of the book. It would be possible, but it would be a little bit strange that he would be, not, that he'd be named at the end rather than at the beginning. Uh, but, but more than that, the Lamb, Jesus, is opening the seals. And so he can't, it'd be hard, I would think, to open the seals and be the one riding on the white horse. Uh, you can look at verses 1 and 2 and verse 3 for that. But I think the thing that gives it away as much as anything is the crown that the one on the white horse is wearing in chapter 6 as compared to chapter 19. Donald Gray Barnhouse compared verse 2 to chapter 19, verse 12. If you want to write down those references. Chapter, two of, of chapter 6, verse 2. Uh, to chapter 19, verse 12, Donald Greyhouse compared those. And he says, Jesus in chapter 19 has on his head, the Bible says, many crowns. And the Greek word there is diadem. The Greek word for crown there is diadem. And it means the kingly crown. And he had many kingly crowns. It's, it's a symbol of royalty. It's a symbol of majesty. But in Revelation chapter 6, Look, just read it again and you'll see. Uh, verse 2, I looked and there before me was a white horse. Its rider held a bow and he was given a crown. And the Greek word there is not diadem, but it's stephanos. And stephanos is a temporary crown. It's a crown that does not last. It is, it is more like a, 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 a laurel wreath type crown and his purpose is to be a conqueror bent on conquest. Now, ladies and gentlemen, Jesus is saying, I believe, showing John, that at the end of the world, when this great time of tribulation begins, the first person on the, to step out onto the world stage of history, the first person will be a man who at first appears to be a man of peace. You notice in this text that he says, it says its rider held a bow. He didn't, have anything, he didn't say anything about arrows. He will approach the world as a man of peace. He will approach the world as, a white, as someone on a white horse. In other words, he's going to look a lot like you would expect Jesus to look. He's going to appear a lot like... I don't think it's by accident that he's on a white horse. Antichrist... Is a counterfeit Christ. And so when the Antichrist comes, many even will think he is the Christ. Jesus even talked about that in the book of Matthew. He said, in the last days, many will come and they will declare themselves to be Christ. But they are the Antichrist. You know as well as I do that the world is just looking for a man on a white horse, aren't we? 
We're living in a time where the world's going crazy. We're living in a time where, you know, this nation is developing nuclear weapons in, in Korea and, and, and Iraq and Iran. They're, they're working on uh, nuclear weaponry or biological weapons. And, and the world is, is like a powder keg. And, and if there's anybody that can step onto the stage of world history and be a man of peace in these unsettling times, that would be a very appealing thing. The problem is, though millions will be mesmerized by his promises, he will eventually turn the streets of the world into a bloodbath. So let's read this again. The first writer, I believe, is the Antichrist. I watched as the Lamb, verse 1, I watched as the Lamb opened the first of the seven seals, and then I heard one of the four living creatures say in a loud voice like thunder, Come! God's in control of this thing. Verse 2, I looked and there before me was a white horse and its rider held a bow and he was given a crown and he rode out as a conqueror, look at this, bent on conquest. Don't you think that's a pretty good description of Satan? Bent on conquest, wanting to conquer the world. Now, one, another reason for believing that this is the Antichrist referred to in these verses is because of what happens with the other writers. What follows the Antichrist? What, what happens after he steps onto the stage of world history? What happens after that? What is associated with, between this first writer and the second writer and the third and the fourth? Well, that brings us to the, the writer on the red horse, the, the second seal in chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. When the Lamb opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, Come. Then another horse came out, a fiery red one. Its rider was given power to take peace from the earth and to make men slay each other. To him was given a large sword. Red, of course, symbolized bloodshed and war. History has shown time and time again that when the devil inspired when a devil inspired leader comes into the world onto the world stage bent on conquest that his twisted evil brain brings about war and devastation and destruction hitler of course would be the uh, a great example of that bent on conquest and the result of that was bloodshed and war but jesus said at the end of the world when the seven-year period of time begins, there will be a time after the Antichrist comes as a man of peace, there will be a time of great bloodshed. It will be a time of war, a time of murder, a time of assassination, and tremendous bloodshed. And all of this corresponds to what Jesus said again in Matthew 24. So put your finger there in Revelation 6. Run back to Matthew 24 again. Matthew 24, verse 6 and 7. Matthew 24, verse 6 and 7. You will hear, Jesus said, speaking of what it would be like at the end, He says, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you're not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. And then He describes that time period this way. He said, nation will rise against nation. Kingdom 
against kingdom. And then skip down to, to verse 22. If those days had not been cut short, no one would survive because they're killing each other. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. Notice the pattern. There is dominion, there is conquest, and there is division. There will be war, there will be slaying, there will be bloodshed. To the point that, that it seems to describe even brother killing brother, murder and assassination. It's going to be an awful time. Can you imagine this? Imagine this for a moment. Where all of a sudden, as the Antichrist steps onto the world stage, and evil begins to permeate this world, for a period of time, when this, this next horseman is released, for a period of time, it will be absolute carnage. Bloodshed. War. Murder, assassinations. I mean, it's, it's awful right now, isn't it? You, you watch the television and there's another bombing somewhere, a suicide bomber somewhere who walks, walks into a, a cafe and blows himself up or, or somebody gets on a bus with a machete and begins to hack away at people. That, that's, just, that's just a small, small thing compared to what's coming. Imagine what the headlines will be like then. Imagine how CNN and Fox News and ABC and CBS and NBC will cover it then. Imagine how scary the world will be then. When all around us there are wars breaking out. All around us there are murderous acts. All around us there are there is bloodshed to the point where Brother against brother even. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 24, Woe to them who will be with child in those days. You don't want to bring a baby into the world in that kind of time. And then the, the third writer, again, notice the progression. The white horse, the Antichrist, leading to death and destruction, the red horse, wars and bloodshed. And then there's a third writer. Going back to Revelation chapter 6. It says. Verse 5. When the Lamb opened the third seal. I heard the third living creature say come. I looked and there before me was a black horse. And its rider was holding a pair of scales in his hands. Not a sword. Not a weapon. But a pair of scales. Why? Why? Then I heard, verse 6, what sounded like a voice among the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a day's wages, and three quarts of barley for a day's wages, and do not damage the oil and the wine. It appears that what's happening is this. War will so rule the world after the rapture, As a result, farmers will be killed, land and crops will be destroyed. I mean, again, just think what's happening right now with ISIS. How ISIS will go into a village and wipe out the entire village. Wipe out every person. Think what it will be like in this time at the end when there are are armies marching and there are 
there is bloodshed and there is demonic activity. Think of what it will be like when, when people go in and wipe out entire areas and farmers will be killed and land will be ravaged and crops will be destroyed and the food that is available will be confiscated by evil men who want power. You see, it's so often true in history that famine follows war. Have you seen that? If you read history, famine often follows war. And this famine will not be a famine confined to Ethiopia. We've seen on the news, haven't we? People fleeing by the hundreds of thousands, fleeing Syria and other places because of war. Hungry, starving. Seeing people in Africa where it said it's, it's like it's genocide, where generations are being wiped out by, by war and by famine, by hunger. And that's just a small part of this world. Imagine when that becomes worldwide. And, well, what's verse 6 talking about? Well, it's, it appears that the times will be so bad, the shortage of food will drive up the prices so that man will have to work all day just to get enough to buy one meal. That the prices of food will, will be so inflated that you'll have to work all that you can just to get enough to survive. Forget about your 401k. Forget about what kind of car you're going to drive. Forget about the house you're living in. You're going to be worried about, is there any way I can get some food to eat tonight? Which brings us to the fourth rider. The rider on a pale horse, verse 7 and 8. When the Lamb opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, Come! I looked and there before me was a pale horse. Its rider was named Death. And Hades was following close behind him. They were given power over a fourth of the earth to kill by sword, famine, and plague, and by the wild beast of the earth. Death in Hades equals, uh, really stands for the fact that death claims the body while Hades claims the soul. John saw this writer going forth to claim his prey. And, and, and what was the color that John saw there of the people? What, what was the color referred to as far as the horse? A what kind of horse? Pale horse. It, the, the Greek word literally means a greenish gray color. The color of death. It's the color of death. I'm not trying to be dramatic. I'm not trying to be uh, insensitive. But if you've ever been beside the bedside of someone who, and you've watched them die, you've watched the color change. And you've seen that color. And John says, there's coming a time, look, what, look how he describes it. Um, verse 8, I looked and there before me was a pale horse. And its rider was named Death. And Hades was following close behind him. And they were given power over a fourth of the earth. Over a fourth of the earth. Well, they say there's six to seven billion people in the world. Somebody help me do the math. 
What, what would a fourth of that be? Steve? Huh? 1.8 billion? Roughly speaking? What if all of a sudden... Huh? <laughs> That's true. It depends on how many are raptured away, right? So we'll use, we'll use 6 billion instead of 7. All right? Let's, let's just say 1.5. Imagine what it would be like to turn on the news and all of a sudden you begin to hear worldwide that there's death. Death through disease, death through war, death through famine. And there, there's almost like this death plague. And it's not the thousands, and it's not even the hundreds of thousands, and it's not even millions, but 1.5 billion. I mean, it staggers the mind to think about it. It staggers the mind to think what's coming. Now, I hope that, that you've kind of clued in uh, but let's go back one more time to, to Matthew chapter 24. Because Jesus said, watch this, Jesus said, guys, that's only the beginning. That's just the beginning. Look at chapter, Matthew chapter 24, verse 7 and 8. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All of these are the beginning of birth pains. I've, I've never been pregnant. I've never given birth. But I've been there when it's happened. And I know this, there's a difference between birth pains and the pain of birth. Right? And all the women said, Amen. There's a difference between birth pains and the pain of birth. In other words, even though birth pains are as bad as they are, it's going to get worse, right? And Jesus said, listen, as bad as this is, the four horsemen, the, the Antichrist, what was the second one? War. What was the third one? Famine. What was the fourth one? What? Death. And Jesus said, as bad as that is, and, and that this, this fourth horseman will, will be given power over a fourth of the earth. And Jesus said, and that's just the beginning of what's coming. So, Pastor, you you trying to scare me? I wish I could. I'd rather scare you into heaven than to lull you into hell. I'd rather you know where you're heading and what's about to happen rather than you think, kumbaya, everything's good. We're not going to have the time to study this, but let's at least read a little bit before we close. And then we'll pick up on this the next time we're together. Going back to Revelation 6 one more time. And then we're going to close.
This is what we'll talk about next time. Verse 9. When he opened the fifth seal, there was not a writer. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they had maintained. The question is, when all of, literally, when all of hell breaks loose on the earth, what happens to those who know God? When death and destruction are riding across this world, plagues and famine and persecution and bloodshed, when all of that breaks loose, what happens to those who know God? When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they had maintained. Pastor, 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 got a question. Is that us? Could be. Come back next time, we'll talk about it. Could be. Look at verse 10. They called out in a loud voice. I love this. How long, what's the next two words? Sovereign Lord. How long, Sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? Then each of them was given a white robe, and they were told to wait a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and brothers who were to be killed as they had been was completed. That's tough. I watched as he opened the sixth seal, and there was a great earthquake. The sun turned black like sackcloth made of goat hair. The, the whole moon turned blood red. And, and the stars in the sky fell to earth as late figs dropped from a fig tree when shaken by a strong wind. The sky receded like a scroll rolling up and, and every mountain and island was removed from its place. Cataclysmic events happening now. Beyond war and famine. Cataclysmic events in the world. Verse 15, that's why it says, Then the kings of the earth, and the princes, and the generals, and the rich, and the mighty, and then on the other end of the spectrum, every slave and every free man hid in caves among the rocks of the mountains. Their houses and palaces will be no good. They will try to hide in caves. And they called to the mountains and the rocks. They're praying to the mountains and the rocks fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of the wrath has come and who can stand? Makes a difference if you know Jesus. Next time we come together we'll talk about what that means. We'll talk about the, the martyrs and the madness in our world. All right, guys, let me pray with you, and then I'm going to ask you to help us get everything in boxes and these orange buckets, all right, as we clear out tonight. And uh, remember, next Sunday night, we do not have Bible study because we'll be in, in training all Sunday afternoon. So no Bible study next Sunday night. This coming Wednesday night, we'll be in, in the fellowship building beginning a new study from good to great. Really good study. That'll be in the fellowship building. We'll be gathering around tables 
on Wednesday nights. It's going to be a great time of fellowship. So that's what's coming up. And on Sunday, we will all worship in the Life Center. The 945 crowd, we're going to ask you to come at 930. First service is at 930. Second service is at 11 o'clock. Come with a good attitude. Come with an expectant attitude. Come with a smile on your face. And come saying this, you can't make it bad enough for me to complain. Alright? And come, and maybe we'll build an altar. Father, we love you. You are indeed, as the Scripture said tonight that we just read, you are the Sovereign Lord. And sometimes when we look at this world and the evil in this world, it almost looks like evil is winning. There's places in the world, there are pockets in the world where madness reigns and it's, it's just evil. Rulers that are evil. Atrocities that are unbelievable. People who are cold-hearted. Killers and murderers. And yet, Lord, we believe that there's coming a day when you will judge those people and you will judge the one behind them. I thank you that you have told us ahead of time what's coming. And you can tell us ahead of time because you're sovereign Lord. You, you are in charge of what's coming. And I'm thankful for Jesus that we can have a relationship with you and we have the comfort of knowing We're in your sovereign hands. We have nothing to fear because you are with us. You have never abandoned your people. You have always, always been a good God to your people. You you have always watched out over your people. So Lord, help us to understand better what, what we're facing. Help us understand what comes next. And may we walk faithfully with you. And tonight as we leave this sanctuary. And as we begin a new journey for the next 8 or 10 weeks. God I do pray again that you would protect our fellowship. You would guard our unity. That you would work in our midst in a powerful way in the weeks ahead. I pray we will see lives changed. And I pray that indeed God will see more than a renovation in this building. But I pray you will do a renovation in our hearts and in our lives. Now to Him who is able to do immeasurably more than anything we ever ask or imagine, to Him be glory, both now and in the church, both now and forever. Amen.